0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select Our Show in the drop-down menu that follows. Whether it's a job interview or your dating profile, your smile can help you make the best first impression. But if your smile isn't as vibrant as you'd like it to be, art can help you feel more confident. You brush your teeth every day. You even floss. Sometimes. <laughs> but did you know there's another level of oral care? With ARC, you can remove stains that lie beneath the surface of your smile. So ARC is a new way to achieve professional-level teeth whitening at home for just 30 minutes a day. Each ARC treatment includes dentist-approved enamel-safe whitening strips that adhere to your upper and lower teeth, along with ARC Blue Light technology. So the Blue Light mouthpiece arcs around your entire smile, delivering targeted blue light energy to help weaken set and stains below the enamel surface, making your treatment more effective than strips alone. Arc can help you reveal a smile that's 50 times whiter than a leading whitening toothpaste, and they offer satisfaction guaranteed. And to help our listeners get a whiter, brighter smile, Arc is offering $15 off your purchase of a blue light kit when you visit arcsmile.com and use promo code CBC at checkout. Go to arcsmile.com, A-R-C-smile.com, and use promo code CBC for $15 off your blue light whitening kit. That's arcsmile, A-R-C-smile.com, promo code CBC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome to episode 26 of our Kardashian bonus show. So as you know, we are on hiatus from Keeping Up. We have six more episodes after this one until the next season starts and we do our recaps, which we are, personally, I've never done. No, (laughs) Don't even. Don't even, please. Julie's the one that does these outlines, and this one specifically, she was working on for hours, so I know that you... You are thrilled. Yeah, no, I, I cannot wait. I know. Okay, so this week we figured we were going to do one, probably one of our most requested, and I honestly can't believe we haven't done it yet. We're doing a Caitlyn Jenner deep dive, right? Pause for applause. <laughs> it's a it's a big deal. I mean, I can't believe we haven't done it. There's so much to her life and her story, and we figured out so much just from researching it. And I, I'm i kind of excited to share it with you guys. I'm just concerned that it's so much information. I think we're going to be okay. 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 Um, like always, we're going to go through this chronologically, and you know, discussing key points along the way. I want to just make a note: is you know, previously, and I had said this last time. Previously, when we were discussing Caitlin, if if it was an event that happened pre-transition, we would say Bruce because we thought that that was correct, and we received feedback, like super respectful feedback from followers, saying, "I totally get that you guys are trying to be politically correct, but it's actually always best to refer to the person as their." Um, preferred name. So throughout all of this, we'll be referring to Caitlyn as Caitlyn, only, of course, when discussing, like, birth name or anything else like that. Okay. How you doing? I'm ready. I love you. I miss you. I love you, too. Julie's at a wedding this weekend, so we didn't really get to talk that much. Hi. Hi, (laughs) Emmy. Okay, here we go. So Caitlyn Marie Jenner was born as William Bruce Jenner on October 28th, 1949, in Mount Kisco, New York. For anybody following Zodiacs, that makes her a Scorpio, which, as you know, so is Chris. So, interesting matchup there. Um, her parents are Esther and Bruce. Her father, Bruce, was an arborist. Julie, would you like to tell everyone what that means? Because maybe other Tree people Tree surgeon. We <laughs> <I have, laughs> were in the car.
1: I was like, do you know what an arborist is? And I was like, yeah, they like cut down trees. And she's like, oh, you Googled
0: it too? And I was like, <laughs> no, remember? Arbor Day. <laughs> I still don't know. Like, I'm not even going to pretend like I do. I have zero idea. You know Tubish <laughs> That, that's that, that, that's Bruce. Yeah. That's Bruce Sr. Um, so we saw a lot about Caitlin's mom on the show because we saw kind of, you know, her relationship with Chris and her acceptance of Caitlin as a woman. But we didn't see, obviously, anything about about her father.
1: It's actually interesting because I was watching um, the Lord District Day marathon yesterday, and there was the episode where um, Caitlin says to Chris that, her mother's coming into town and she really wants Chris to, you know, hang out with her. And and they've always had like a not good relationship. And Chris says to Caitlin, you know, it's crazy that you're asking me to do this and acting like it's such a big deal that I don't have a relationship with your mother. And Chris says to her, I think you've mentioned your mom like 12 times the entire time we've been married. She was like, she was like, you're acting like you have this amazing relationship with your mom that I'm not part of. And she's
0: like, it's just not the case, which I thought was crazy. Do you think that there was ever any like discussion or jealousy there about how close MJ was to the whole family? I don't know if it was that because I
1: think that's, I think that's really typical in a lot of families for one grandparent to be closer. I've like observed that. I think what it was is that maybe Caitlin created a rift between her and her mom because, you know, prior to her transition, she just had all these feelings. And I, I imagine that as a child having to lie to a parent, like your whole life, it like creates a bit of uncomfort and maybe and maybe Caitlin's mom never even really knew why that that separation was there, but that's what I was kind of thinking. That like that Caitlin, you know, put a separation in to protect herself and protect her mother. It's
0: totally possible. I'm I'm curious about that. Um so Caitlin was diagnosed with dyslexia as a young child, and the reason that this is applicable is because, you know, she never really felt confident at school academically. So when she discovered that she was really talented with sports it kind of gave her this confidence that she was lacking and obviously as you know like her career is insane in the sports world but I think that I'm not saying the dyslexia was the start of it. Obviously, she was granted with athleticism, but I definitely think that it was a huge, maybe driving force. Yeah, it was, I mean,
1: it was a confidence. It's like if you don't excel in one place to then find something where you're you're good at and you excel, you you latch onto that one thing, obviously. No, for sure.
0: So she graduated high school in 1968, and she earned a football scholarship and attended grade, uh, Gradeland College in Iowa. I think it's Graceland. I may have made that as a typo. It, as I was reading it, I was like, it's for sure. Because as I was reading it last night, I was thinking about Paul Simon. So it's for, it's for what sure. What are you not thinking about <laughs> Paul Simon? <laughs> I'm always thinking about Paul Simon. Um, I've made so many you can call me Al memes. I know you did. <laughs> Remember that one time that you went on, like, a meme spree? Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. Anyway, um, so she attended Graceland College in Iowa, but she had to stop playing football due to a knee injury. So this is kind of the start of it. When she was at Graceland, one of the track coaches encouraged her to switch to the decathlon. And she graduated from Graceland College in 1973 with a degree in physical education. So that was let's take you now to the start of her Olympic career. Yes. Are you, are you ready? I'm oh my god, of course I'm ready. I love the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> so in nineteen seventy two, it was the US Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon, and Caitlin placed fifth in the men's decathlon. So because of this, it allowed her to qualify for the Olympics, which was like, completely unexpected, unwanted—it like, was a it was a huge deal. No one expected her to, to place there. She was, like, an unknown—she was a completely
1: unknown person participating in this. And and no one—especially on the first day, I believe, of the the trials, she, like, didn't do well. And then the next day, she, like, was able to get what she needed to place.
0: Yeah. So that same year, she went on to finish 10th place in the decathlon at the Munich Summer Olympics— that same year, December of 1972, was when she married her first wife, and it was her college sweetheart named Christy Cronover. So Christy, interestingly enough, similar to Chris, worked as a flight attendant. And you I, know, think all, I think all women in the 70s worked as flight yeah. attendants. And Caitlin was training for the Olympics. She was training often eight hours a day, and she would sell insurance on the side. It's it's a, I'm sorry. As I was reading this, it's just a whole other life. You know what I mean? No, it
1: is. I mean— It's so crazy because I have spoken to my parents about it so many times where it's like, we know Caitlyn in terms of the Kardashians. And they're like, you don't get it. Like, Caitlyn was her own entity back in the day. Like, Caitlyn was this American hero. Like, we knew Caitlyn as Caitlyn. And the Kardashians
0: were were part of that, not the other way around for us. It's so true. Um, Not to get too much into all the titles because I don't think it's that interesting to hear. But it is important to, you know, um, understand. So she competed in 13 decathlons between 1973 and 1976. That is 13 decathlons in three years. That's a lot. Duh. <laughs> so in 1975 was when she won the Pan American Games. And because of this, she was chosen for the 1976 U.S. Olympic team. Take us to 1976, Julie. In 1976,
1: <laughs> the Olympics were in Montreal, Canada. And Caitlin achieved her five personal bests at the Olympic Games and set a new personal best time and won the gold medal for the world record at, with a world record score of... 8,618 points. I have not a clue
0: what that means, but it's a big deal, according to Wikipedia and the research that I did. So after this event was when she took the American flag from a spectator and she carried it during the victory lap, which was... Th- that started the, tra- the tradition that is now common among winning athletes. Like, literally her taking that one lap with the American flag is what started this being a thing. Way to go, Caitlin! Who knew? You trendsetter, you. When So when people talk about, like, Caitlin's peak fame and her being an American hero, this is the Olympics that they're referring to, the 1976 one. Okay. Um. There, listen, there were so many awards in her life, and I want to pay nod to them without getting too into it. But after, you know, this this massive achievement in 1976 she received the James E. Sullivan Award as the top amateur athlete in the U.S. and was also named the Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year I mean tell me if you think this is a bold statement I would say at this time she was the most popular athlete in the U.S. Yeah think about like and see it's hard because
1: I don't I wasn't there obviously neither of us were so I don't know the effect that had but in my mind it's
0: like picture LeBron right very similar yeah yeah um she also made more money from winning a single event than any other athlete had before her and you know because of this this fame and this massive like athleticism she was the most highly sought after for advertisements and deals and all this kind of stuff so she appeared in movies television she was a sportscaster on ABC TV and she co-authored two books Decathlon Challenge Bruce Jenner's Story and Bruce Jenner's Guide to Family Fitness then the year after, she became the spokesperson for Wheaties brand Breakfast Cereal. When we post the visual outline to Patreon, we're gonna post a picture of this box. This was iconic. Like, if you in the 70s, this was so iconic. Also, how the fuck did Wheaties become
1: Wheaties? Have you ever had Wheaties? Never. They're disgusting. No offense, Wheaties, because you're doing great. And clearly me saying that you guys are disgusting isn't gonna do anything, but they're disgusting. Yeah. It's like if I'm an athlete, put me on the fucking front of Lucky Charms immediately. I was gonna say Honey Nut Cheerios. Ah, or Life Cereal. Yeah. Life Cereal is my favorite cereal. I know.
0: I actually know you that. We usually do this thing when we're high. We're like, okay, we're gonna prep for the new Leavet game. Like, in case we're ever asked these questions. So, like, I know all these random facts about her that I'll never have to answer, but God forbid in case I ever have to. Like, what's my favorite Kanye song? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What is it? Hey, Mama. Oh, well, gosh, it's all new. It's always raising your hand in the corner. Why don't you guys share notes and then come back to me, <laughs> me next week? <laughs> Interesting about this was that, um, not to fast forward too much, but when Caitlin came out as a trans woman in 2015, General Mills, who obviously makes Wheaties, released a statement st- saying, and I quote, Bruce Jenner continues to be as a respected member of Team Wheaties. But after, you know, the statement obviously was not taken well. It was meant with good intention, but the pronouns and, and the names were wrong. So... Mike Siemenes, who is General Mills Brand Media Relations Manager, clarified the statement, and he said, Bruce Jenner has been a respected member of Team Wheaties, and Caitlyn Jenner will continue to be. Just an interesting little fact. That
1: That's how a lot of this outline is going to go, where it's like, we talk about something, and then a lot of it, the transition is going to play in as we talk about it. It's not going to be so much time lined with the transition, because it's just easier to do it that
0: way. But yeah. you guys will see. Yeah. You'll see. So at this time, back in 1977, Caitlin and Christy were considered, like, the all-American couple. They were, you know, this was, she was a flight attendant. And Caitlin was the most famous athlete in the world. And they just had, they had it all, right? They had it all. September of the next year was when they had their first child, Burt Jenner. And Burt is actually named after Caitlin's younger brother, who was killed in a car accident after the Olympics. I did not know that. Did you? I I didn't. I, I knew that. I, I, like, had known that uh, Caitlin
1: had a brother who died. I didn't know that, like, the, the relationship between the Olympics and, and Bert and her son, so I didn't know. did no Caitlin idea. ever
0: talk about her brother dying? I'm sure, but not that I can remember. But on the show, on Keeping Up, I, I feel like I don't remember it. I, not that I can remember off the top of my head. If anybody remembers that, let me know. I'm curious. I don't remember it. But anyway, so the next year, or 1980, was when their daughter was born, and this was the same year that they were divorced. From what we gathered, like their high profile status kind of became an issue for them, right? Yeah. It was it was kind of the reason that they just couldn't make it
1: work anymore. It was too much. But the other thing is, is that when they got divorced, it was it was even more high profile of a divorce than it was a marriage. And I think that something that I've noticed, especially with athletes, is that America has this real fascination with athletes who stay with their partner like throughout high school and their and their like high school or college sweethearts. Like think about Aisha and Steph Curry or it's LeBron. Or like, LeBron. It's like, oh my God, like you made it like with them through they were struggling as an athlete and trying to make it. Like we want you guys to stay together forever. So I think that people oftentimes have this
0: real fascination with that. So when they got divorced, it was like, ah, oh, why can't they just make it work? Well, I think of the stereotype, and maybe it's true, is that so many people are, use athletes for their fame, for their power, right, whatever. Right. So when they see a couple, that it's like they were really with you through thick and thin. It's right. like, they, yeah, people root for them. Okay, so you guys probably know that you should be taking vitamins to help supplement your diet. But with so many options, how do you know which nutrients you need and which ones you're probably already getting enough of from your diet? That's why you need Ritual, right, Julie? Yes, you, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> okay, so women deserve a clean, effective multivitamin that they can trust. And when Kat Schneider realized that this didn't exist, she decided to create her own, and that's when she founded Ritual. Ritual. We're going to tell you about it. So Ritual is the obsessively researched multivitamin designed for women by women. It contains nine nutrients that are difficult to get enough of every day, even with a healthy diet. So instead of taking a handful of five to eight vitamins, Ritual makes it easy with two capsules a day. You order it online at ritual.com for around $1 a day. Ritual is delivered to your do- door monthly so you can stay on track with your new healthy habit. Isn't that right? <laughs> you are correct. So we we try this because the idea is that Ritual, Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. And it's Vegan, certified, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten allergy-free, it's, you know, Vogue, the New York Times, CNN, and Forbes all have taken notice of it. The thing is that their revolutionary capsule technology combines nine oily and dry ingredients into a single pill, including vitamin E, vegan omega-3 from algae, iron, magnesium, folate, vitamin K2, and vitamin B12. The thing is that their capsules have a no-nausea design, so they're gentle on an empty stomach, and they include a mint tab in every bottle to help mark the fishy aftertaste, which a lot of these, like, have. And (laughs) remember when we opened the bottle, we're like... Wow, minty fresh. I literally couldn't believe it. Yeah.
1: It was like so, yeah.
0: Yeah, we tried to believe it. These they're good. We je- like I wasn't really taking a multivitamin and then I tried this and I was like, this is so simple. Why have we not been doing this? Um also it's traceable and transparent. So the the thing is that all of the you know ingredients are right there for you to see and um, they're transparent about where they source their ingredients. So if you want to know more, you can find everything on their website. So for a limited time, Ritual is offering our listeners one free week during your first month. Just go to ritual.com slash celebs to start your trial today. That's one week free of Ritual at ritual.com slash celebs. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So just an interesting thing is that in 2015, after Caitlin transitioned, Christy revealed that a year into their marriage, so this was in the 70s, that Caitlin told her that she was struggling with her gender identity. And Christy did not tell anyone. She fully kept it a secret until after Caitlyn herself came out about it, and she said that even though she knew about Caitlyn's struggle with gender identity, it didn't affect their marriage in any way, and it's not the reason they divorced. Which is interesting because when we go to her, her relationship with Linda, It's a different story. Yes, interesting to know. Okay, why don't Speaking you take us? <laughs> no one
1: moves quicker in their marriages than Caitlyn Jenner. I already. January 1981, she's remarried. How? I don't know. She just
0: got divorced at a kid in 1980. Yeah, I mean, look at Chris, though.
1: Yeah, no, I know. We'll get there, too. Um, so in January 1981, Caitlin married her second wife, Linda Thompson. Linda was a former actress and a beauty queen songwriter. She actually wrote co-wrote the song in uh, Bodyguard, I Have Nothing, for Whitney Houston, um, and was the ex-girlfriend of, Lin- of Elvis Presley, which we spoke about because— um, Robert Kardashian dated Priscilla, Priscilla Presley. Presley. A lot of connections. I mean, as we A always say. A lot of things to
0: keep track of. So much to keep track of. Like, you should be taking notes.
1: Yeah. and This is the first time I'm hearing about it. If people aren't taking yeah. notes during it, because they definitely should be. Um, the first time that Linda saw Caitlyn was actually when she was with Elvis at the 1976 Olympic Games. And then they met three years later and married two years after that. So in June 1981 was when Brandon was born. And in August 1983, Brody Jenner was born. And as we discovered... Uh, on the Chris
0: Jenner deep dive, Brody's real name is Sam Brody Jenner. Yeah, who the fuck? And uh, there's just so much here. Also, you know, uh, we'll get into this obviously, but Linda Thompson, you know, if you've heard her name, it's because she was also David Foster's ex wife. David Foster, married to, formerly married to Yolanda Hadid, Hadid, like there's so much connection here. Do you think that on,
1: it's fast forwarding a little bit, but do you think that on Caitlyn and Chris's first date, they were like, Chris was like, yeah, so I'm a K and all of my kids' names are K's. And Caitlyn was like, I'm a B and all of my kids' names are Bs. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I never even thought about it until you just said it. That's so
0: funny. It's like, it was like such a Brady Bunch moment, I bet. Yeah. So in a letter that um, Linda Thompson wrote after Caitlyn announced her transition, she said, I did not know this, that when Brandon was three and a half years old, that Caitlyn approached her with a very somber look in his face and her words and told her, quote, she identified as a woman. So In Caitlin's interview with Diane Sawyer, which I'm sure most of you watched, Caitlin said that gender was a big part of her breakup with Linda. And in this letter that Linda wrote, which was super kind of raw and I think like very authentic, like straight from the heart, she said, and I quote, Bruce and I separated after going to therapy for about six months just to exhaust any hope of keeping our family together. Being married to a woman was not what I had envisioned for my life. She also wrote, quote, I was so heartbroken that I would get into my car car day and night and aimlessly drive up and down Pacific Coast Highway crying. I mourn the death of my marriage, my man, and my dream of enjoying a lifetime of family togetherness. But I was also empathetic to and mourned for the pain that Bruce had experienced every day of his life. So deep. It's crazy. It's so deep. So, you know, their kids, Brandon and Brody, have been super open, I feel like, speaking about Caitlin not being, you know, not only her transition, but also about the way that they felt that Caitlin was not really that present in their life when they were growing up. Right. Which, as we talked about last week, was a big source of tension between them and Chris. Yes. It's like, why the fuck is my dad, you know, s- yeah, like, dad of the year
1: to your kids, and they're not even, like, the, and truly, like, you can understand that, like, they're not even biological. your kids, half of them, and, and he's so much more present and so much more attentive than, than she ever was with us, so.
0: Yeah. So in the 80s, while she was married to Linda, was when Caitlin began taking female hormone supplements. And... She had her facial hair removed permanently, and then she stopped her transition saying that she lost her nerve and she didn't want to cause the children any pain. You'll see this a lot. It was a trend where she kind of like started it a little and then stopped it, I mean, which makes so much sense. I can only yeah. imagine how—it's a huge it's a deal. Huge, just, yeah. yeah,
1: it's a huge—especially when you have
0: kids and, and all of these things. And I, This next part is really interesting. So in the same letter that uh, Linda wrote, she said that, One day, Brandon and Brody told her that they saw Caitlin getting out of the shower and that, quote, daddy has boobs. So what was happening was that the breast enlargement was a side effect of the female hormone supplements that she was taking. And Linda said that she told the kids that Caitlin had just stopped her Olympic training and that, you know, her father, she's like, oh, your father's pectoral muscles have probably just gotten a little flabby. She said, she was like, I was really trying to shield Brandon and Brody from the truth and also trying to respect Caitlin's secret because Caitlin did not want anyone to know at the time. Right. You know, that's a situation you don't expect yourself to be in. No, never.
1: It's yeah. It's I think we we really you know a lot of the focus that we had when when Caitlyn was first transitioning was on the Kardashian Jenner side of the family, like just you know Kendall Kylie, all of them. But the other side of the family and her other kids really had their own
0: stories and like so much more that we didn't really think about. I feel like we had no idea about. Um, so they officially divorced in 1986, which you know, as you said, it, there was. A lot of reasons for it, and I don't think that the transition or her her gender identity it contributed. It for sure contributed. Like the first wife said that it didn't, and Linda was super forthcoming in saying that it did. Also, just like a fun fact, do you guys remember Brandon and Brody? You know, they're famous in their own right, but in 2005, they had their own reality show that lasted one season called The Princes of Malibu. I have to be honest, I never watched it. I did, and I forgot about it until we were doing this. So it was Brandon and Brody, and they lived with Linda and her husband at the time, David Foster, holy fuck. And they lived in David Foster's Malibu State. And the whole theme of it was that like, Linda kind of spoiled them, and she said that they could do no wrong. And David was kind of like, who the fuck are these freeloaders? Like, get them out of my house. And that he was trying to straighten their lives out, and they were kind of just living it up in Malibu with Spencer Pratt. Like, do you realize how far back we're going? It's wild.
1: You know what the other thing I didn't realize was? I did not realize that Linda and David Foster were married for so long. Yeah, how long was it? Like 1991 to 2005. That's 14 years. That's insane. I didn't realize it was so long. Because he's had so many wives. What was David's relationship like with Brody? and Brandon, aside from like trying to straighten them out a little bit.
0: I don't know. I don't think that it was ever, I don't think, I, I honestly don't know enough, but I definitely, it wasn't like seamless, a um, it right. like that. And I think a lot of it came from the fact that they had different parenting styles. Like Linda was much more, and even if you want, I know this is a ridiculous statement to make, like you can't judge someone's parenting based on Instagram comments, but if you look at the way Linda comments on Brandon and Brody's pictures, it's like oh, they're yeah, still little kids. Like yeah. she is such, it's such a mama's boy thing. You know what I'm going to compare it to? What? Like a Larsa Pippen. Like a like fire emojis. Like a, like a Larsa Pippin. Oh, I love when you make references like that. Okay, so. Obviously, Brody so famous in his own right. He did that, then he did the Hills and a million other things. He was DJing Brandon and his now ex-wife Leah, which, as we mourned the loss of that relationship last like, week, literally,
1: I think it is the most tragic. To, like, okay, not the most tragic. Chloe and Lamar, obviously, the most tragic. But I don't know, Brandon and Leah. Are right after that, for me, I mean, like Jen and Brad are. Like,
0: <laughs> no, I meant in terms of Kardashians. Oh. Duh, it's not like. I thought you were saying in pop culture. I was like, you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, obviously not in pop culture. Oh, yeah, for but sure. What do you think is the most tragic in pop culture? You don't agree with me on this. I always felt Jen and Brad. What are you what? gonna say? I, I never have... said it wasn't tragic. Well, I felt that you didn't like them together. I
1: never said that. I never want them to get back together. I loved them together, obviously. Who do you think? I don't know. I have to think Channing, about it. Channing Tatum. Should I I should just... have... No, it wasn't not Channing Tatum. Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt was pretty heartbreaking. It was hard. I don't know. I'd give, me a, give me a few. I'll think about it. Okay, that's a good episode to do. Most tragic breakups.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think we were planning on doing that for a Patreon we episode, should do actually. That, for sure. Yeah. So, so Brandon and, and Leah, they formed this indie pop group together, and it was called Brandon and Leah. And they really, like, their fame or their success came from their single Showstopper because it was used as the theme song for Courtney and Kim Take Miami. Like, do you realize how fucking intertwined this the entire LMFA family Okay, man. it was like, fuck, fuck you guys,
1: yeah. we're a Miami
0: trick. <laughs> Also, after Brody was cast on The Hills, he and again this year in 2008, he had his own reality show called Bromance. And I, I did you remember this? Because I forgot about I it. Didn't. I didn't. I don't know. I, I think I watched my memory, just not what it used to be. Like, I just, you you don't, do, say. I just don't have <laughs> memories anymore. <laughs> this show was based on the fact that guys competed to be part of his entourage. Just interesting. I don't know. There's so I much here. I would love
1: to reboot that with somebody new. Like who? Like
0: that is a ridiculous plotline for a show. You have to compete to be friends with somebody. Paris Hilton. Remember? Yeah, that I remember. My new BFF or yeah. whatever it's called. But it's. I feel like it's different with bromances. You can't like force a bromance. <laughs> I'm trying to think who would be a good person to do that with. It's kind of hard to think. That's an interesting thing. Can you guys send us who you think would be good? Who for Who has like a good group of guy friends? Scott. Yeah. Honestly, Scott is perfect no. Scott's for it. trying to keep his
1: his uh. His group low, though. Brody's whole thing was like having people to go out with, I feel like. Like yeah. having like, uh, bro, Scott just wants to stay in with the kids and like keep his circle as small as possible now.
0: Scott doing it like five years ago would have been perfect for it. And like jump into a pool with Steve Aoki occasionally. That was a <laughs> Flip it, Like Disick reference for those of you that didn't watch last night. You should watch. He's so hot. It's, he's literally so just So hot. hot. <laughs> Scott, not Steve Aoki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know Steve Aoki's dad is, is the creator of Betty
1: Hanna? No. You don't know that? Did you know that as Steve well? Stevie Oki's dad is He's Mr. Benihana. The He's the heir to the Hivachi throne. He is Mr. <laughs> Benihana. Did you know that, Terrence?
0: Yeah, absolutely not. See, what the fuck? Did you guys know that? That's a that's a fa- that is a fascinating piece of information. Yeah, Isabel's real stuff. Quickly, it's Isabel on
1: my when br- we went to Benihana We went to on for, for, his for birthday. my birthday. We I I was like, you guys know Steve Aoki. <laughs> the
0: whole dinner, Julie was like, hmm, should tell Steve Aoki. His dad is running a pretty nice joint here. We could not stop him. He's like, hmm, Steve Aoki, your dad really runs. You know, the, the, the establishment. The, you know the
1: fried rice beating heart. That was <laughs> that was <laughs> straight Mr. up Steve. Aoki. <laughs> Mr.
0: Aoki. Oh my, the onion volcano. Oh, oh Mr. Steve. Aoki. The yeah. catching in the mouth. Wow. Steve could have not been. It's not Steve, it's Steve's father. No, I'm saying Steve he was didn't, born.
1: He Steve Aoki was, was born in he a was, volcano no, onion. He
0: literally is the fried rice prince. He didn't have to become what he is. <laughs> Please. Please. Hold on. I, need, I would do six for there to be. Sorry. For there to be. What? A video of Isabel leaving. Leaping over the podcast studio to get us to the microphone to say, see, see my, <laughs> Steve Aoki is a fried rice <laughs> Because she's coming back. <laughs> because my point was that when we went there, Julie was enjoying her meal, but every it would be dead silent every five minutes. She'd be like, Not too bad, Mr. Aoki. <laughs> or like, we had a bad waiter who didn't bring a drink, and she was like,
1: Hmm, I'm going to tell Steve about that. Well, you know, when we went there, Steve Aoki, I think he still does, he followed us. Like, he had followed us at that point, And I was like, you know. Oh, like our account. Yeah. Well, not our personal account. I know you're uh, talking about. Steve moment. Aoki just follows us around. <laughs> and every time <laughs> I turn around, there's
0: Steve, there's Steve Aoki, the fucking Hibachi <laughs> prince. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant for that. I was like, really? He was speaking at P.I.O.? That is so funny. Okay. Whew, that was hilarious. I will never forget to the day. Dale Isabel literally jumping over here like, Steve Aoki's the fried rice prince. That's a- Oh my God, I have to tell my dad. Okay. I was just about to say, you said that exactly like your dad. Yeah, it's like, so <laughs> funny. Well, that's because last night, should we just tell him? it's I know it's like, off. it's so funny. I'm so sorry, guys. Keep going. I think it's funny. No, last night we were watching um, Flip It Like Disick and I was watching with my dad because we weren't together. And Steve Aoki was jumping off of his like roof into the pool. And he was saying that it's the his pool is 16 feet deep, and it's the deepest pool in Nevada. And me and Julie always do like no one memes like, Yeah, yeah. So she sent me a meme, and it was like no one. And then it was like Scott just like that. This is insane because he always says that. And then I was like no one. Like Steve Aoki jumps off pool. And then Julie's like no one. Steve Aoki. Like did you know this is the um, the de- 16 feet deepest pool in Nevada? And then it was like
1: Steve Diamond. A week later, approached with his friends. Hey, you know Steve Aoki's got the deepest pool in Nevada, 16 feet.
0: Can you believe it? <laughs> but when I said that to my dad, he's like 16 feet. Can you believe it? I was, like, That's exactly what Julie said. You were gonna. Say okay. Sorry, we just we went. yeah. We gotta get back to business. I'm sorry, sorry, Caitlin. <laughs> so enter I was literally for for like a minute. There, I was like, what? What were we even talking about before? I fully forgot. I just got so excited. Okay, enter Kris Jenner. So as I we love discussed- when Kris Jenner enters. <laughs> Thank you. She I knew she would just like restore calm and everything. So as we discussed in the Kris Jenner deep dive, Caitlin and Chris got married on April 21st, 1991, after five months of dating. So Remember, Chris and Robert officially divorced in 1991. It was months between the two. And it was in November 1995 that Chris gave birth to Kendall. So... Four years after they got married was when she gave birth to Kendall. Which, in Kardashian timeline, that's a long fucking time, especially in Caitlyn timeline. I
1: can't believe I still can't believe they waited so long to have kids. Especially because you know Chris is a
0: little older at this point. You would have thought that she would have been like, okay, if we want to have kids, we got to do this quickly. I know, and I, I, wouldn't, I can't even say like, oh, well, maybe she learned from the first one because she loved being a mother. It wasn't like I wonder what those those uh, four years before. Uh, like th- what the older ones with, with Caitlin was like before Caitlin had her own kids with Chris. Well, see, that's interesting to see, to to know about what Caitlin and Chris's relationship was like with Caitlin's kids previously. Like, you know what I mean? Before they had kids of their own. So the thing is, um,
1: Chris spoke about, you know, really being excited to become a stepmom. And she was like, she was saying it to Brody in the episode on the vacation episode. And she was like, you can't imagine how excited I was because your your mom and dad were divorced for years. So I thought it was just gonna be this seamless transition that I was gonna step in and, and be this amazing stepmom to you kids and like we would have this amazing relationship. And she was like, it just so wasn't the case. So was the case. The thing that I think she the reason she expected that was because I imagined that when Caitlin stepped in, Caitlin became that for her
0: kids. And she was so shocked when it wasn't returned the other way around. No, good point. Makes sense. As we discussed last week, you know, Chris kind of Managed Caitlyn's career, and she turned things around for her. So she was the one that helped her to book motivational speaking appearances. And they did infomercials together where they sold exercise equipment. And we don't have the number here, but we talked about it last week. It was millions and millions. It was like $240 million in exercise equipment or something. It was like crazy. It is. And like Julie just said, you know, Caitlyn was very much involved in in the Kardashians' lives. And she walked both Chloe and Kim down the aisle at their wedding. Kim and both of her weddings. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, if you remember,
1: when Kim got married— was before Caitlyn had transitioned, and but but Caitlyn had long hair at the time, and Kim was so embarrassed by Caitlyn's long hair, and was like,
0: "Who's gonna walk me down the aisle if if, if Caitlyn looks like this?" I know, I, you know. I was watching. I think I may have said this a couple episodes ago. I was watching old episodes, and it was the one where Kendall, Kylie, and Caitlyn were at the um, at the golf the golf course, and they were flipping off the paparazzi, and Kendall was making so much fun of Caitlyn for the hair, and was like, "Please, can you cut it? Like, I'm gonna cut it in your sleep," and. You know, at the time no one thought that that was there was anything to that. And watching it now, I I literally had tears in my eyes because no one realized it was just like why is why is
1: Caitlyn's hair so long? And then all of a sudden now it's like it was literally her armor. Like it was the one joy she had. Now she like her and her and Chris had separated. She was living in Malibu. She got to be alone and it's like, okay, I get to grow my hair. I remember her talking about it being such, it was like it
0: was like Samson. Like it was her it was her it was her strength. You know what I mean? No, completely. Um so in October two thousand, we're going to go back. Like we're going to talk a lot about their trans about Caitlyn's transition, but I just want to give you the timeline for um, Chris. So in October two thousand and thirteen was when they announced that they were separating. It kind of was like they were still in a relationship but living separately. At
1: yeah, I think they were trying to make it work. Um- while they were living separately, and 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 you know the the thing with, with Caitlyn and Chris is that their issue was always like the amount of space that like the whole house was Chris's, and then Caitlyn got her one space in the garage for her helicopters. And it was like when Caitlyn moved out to Malibu, it was like Caitlyn now has her own space. Maybe maybe she and Chris can make it work because it's there's finally
0: like Caitlyn feels like she has her place, and they obviously they just couldn't. Yeah. So in De- December 2014 was when they officially divorced, and. Do you guys remember in in February of 2015 was when Caitlyn was involved in a fatal um multiple vehicle collision on the Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu and this was this was crazy so the person's name was Kim Ho she was killed when um Caitlyn's SUV like ran into her car and You know, there's different accounts of what happened, and no one really can say for sure. Um, But the prosecutors declined to file criminal charges, but three civil lawsuits were brought by House stepchildren and drivers of other cars involved in the collision. There was this woman, Jessica Steindroff. She was a Hollywood agent. She was hit by Kim's car, and she settled her case in 2015. And then the the woman's stepchildren settled their case in uh, January 2016. We didn't get any financial details, but God damn, am I curious. I feel like we remember when we did that episode on Patreon of, like, forgotten celebrity scandals
1: or, like, celebrity scandals that we don't really talk about anymore? This is a big one. It was. That was a huge deal, and
0: I feel like we never talk about it anymore. No, yeah, it's so true. Okay, so this is the same year, April of 2015, is when Caitlyn comes out as transgender in the 2020 special with Diane Sawyer. <sighs> that, crazy. You know— tell me what you like what you felt about this because for me I remember hearing rumbles of it and it was kind of like how I felt when the Tristan and Jordan stuff first came out I was like that is such bullshit like please like tell me something I can believe so yeah you know sorry I have such distinct memories as it's coming
1: back to me and as I was writing this that I remember being at like the supermarket with my dad and obviously, they have all the magazines in the front. And it was it was probably if, if this is April two thousand and fifteen that she officially came out, I would say it was probably like late two thousand and fourteen. And that's when the thing started. It was like it was like, Caitlyn's hair is long. she's transitioning. And it was, it was everyone was like, this is such bullshit. And I remember my dad looking at the article, but like, You think there's any truth to that? And I was like, no, I think it's ridiculous. Like, why can't Kaylin just grow her hair long without it being such a big deal? I think this is so crazy. You know, she's lived X amount of years as a man. There's no, there's no way. Like it was just the craziest thing to me at the time. And looking back on it, it's like, oh my God, this all makes so much sense now. So but much at sense. the time, what, how, what, how are we supposed to know? It was like, I remember, and it was, I remember it was like Star Magazine. Like, you never believe Star Magazine. Star magazine's reporting that Jen and Jen and Brad are pregnant with their fourth child now. It's like, they're always wrong. And I was like, and I remember being like, dad, it's obviously not true. Like Star Magazine's reporting. We don't listen to anything Star says.
0: Do you want to know why I'm dying hearing you say that? Because I was standing with my dad at the checkout at ShopRite and it was the National Enquirer. And my dad said, the ex- he's like, yeah, you think there's any truth to that? I was like, oh, please. Like the National, yeah, like the National Enquirer, please. I was like, I'm so glad that you have me here to ask so that you're not going around like telling people that this is true. You know what I mean? Like that's right. how much I didn't believe it. So, and not because I was
1: against it at all. Obviously, we couldn't be no, more supportive. it it's just, just like, it was hard to fathom what, not knowing at the time. And it's so funny because, all, you're right. It's like, it was so dependent on what magazine was reporting it. And I have such distinct memories being little, like five or six. And my mom being like, listen, these are the magazines that are right. You listen to people and you listen to us and you listen to, t- but you don't listen to any of the other ones. If they're on those, then it's not true.
0: Yeah, yeah. like Star, like Star is fiction. Okay, nothing. Yeah, it's all fiction. Star is fully fiction. Yeah. Are you spending hours on the internet trying to find the best workout plans for you? Well, getting fit and staying healthy has never been easier than with OpenFit. So OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. So here's the deal. You sculpt your body in the convenience of your own home, no eyes on you, which is amazing. Like I think that for a lot of people, the gym can be a really stressful place and you can work out with amazing trainers like Andrea Rogers, who is the founder of the worldwide sensation extend bar, which is amazing. Um, the newest workout is rough around the edges with six of the most badass stunt women in the business. So you no longer have to worry about people watching you work out or you can feel the pressure of like keeping up with the people next to you. Open fit is great for all fitness levels. The other thing is that it's affordable and accessible. So, you know, if you're going on vacation soon and you're worried that your hotel room won't have a gym, you can have this on your computer, web enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, even Roku. Some places only sell classes as a package, and a lot of times you can't make it to every class and you end up, you know, losing money. So, OpenFit brings the class to you. OpenFit has totally changed the way we work out and texting our code COMMENTS to 303030. You can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-day challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit when you text COMMENTS to 303030. You'll get full access to OpenFit, all of the workouts and nutrition information totally free. Again, just text COMMENTS to 303030. Standard message and data rates may apply. Okay. So I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And okay, we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them, and I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. Whatever occasion you need, it's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. So, tell us, Julie, about the 2020 special with Diane Sawyer. So, I, I remember watching this so clearly.
1: It was, it was really so crazy. So, Caitlin announced that, you know, she was transitioning in the special um, and that she had dealt with gender dysmorphia since her youth and that for all intents and purposes, she was a woman. She was identifying as a woman. And the 2020 interview had 20.7 million views and it was the highest ever rated news magazine telecast among adults like 18 to 49 and 25 to 54 is the stat or something. Um, but it was crazy. I mean, that was the start of it. And then, after, in May 2015, a month after the Diane Sawyer one, was when um, Keeping Up the Karashians did their special, and it was called All About Bruce. And it was two parts. And that was all, you know, the recounted stories of the kids dealing with, you know, their emotions about the whole transition, but also recounting, you know, their memories that it's like Kim saying, you know, and I, I, I threw I mean, a bunch I'll, of quotes in that, them that you can so- read. But it's just so—I mean, and remember, they were all so upset because they were like, you're finally coming out. You're finally living your truth, but you're still hiding things from us. And that was the huge—you know, the rift between the Kardashians and Caitlyn really occurred be- because of two reasons. One, you know, Caitlyn disrespecting Chris after the fact. Which we'll and, get into. And the other being that Caitlyn—everything there there, she said, she was holding back information. And it's, it's kind of like the kids were like, we're here. We're supporting you. Just tell us everything. And— I imagine that as Caitlyn having to live her life lying about so many aspects, it's not so easy to just be so forthcoming and tell your truth now. It's it's
0: something you're just not used to and not comfortable with. Totally. And I wonder, because this was in 2015, I wonder now if you ask the Kardashians or you know Kendall and Kylie what how they felt they handled this, what they would say. I'm not saying that they did it poorly, but if they still hold true that that Caitlyn should have been more forthcoming or if they're like, you know, I think we were lacking empathy. I'm not saying they were. I'm just curious. Yeah, I think that—the
1: other thing is, I think the reason that they probably wouldn't say that is because a lot of the stuff that they were mad at Caitlyn about was like, oh, you have this interview. Oh, you're doing the Vanity Fair cover. Oh, you're doing this. Like, we're going to find
0: out eventually why aren't you telling us before other people are telling us. No, totally. There were—I want to read the four quotes from the different siblings about— you know, uh Caitlyn's transition and and like whether or not they knew stuff. So the first was from Kim, and she says, quote, "I just came home and I walked in the garage to go to my bedroom, and Bruce was dressed up like a woman. I ran to Courtney's and I was hysterically crying. We have no idea what this is or what this means. So I kept the secret for maybe twelve years. Kendall says, "I just remember being little, not really knowing what was going on, and we would find things like makeup or lipstick, and we thought he was having an affair at one point, and we didn't know what to do. We didn't want our family to be broken up, so we wouldn't tell anybody. Chloe says, I found out that when he did his appearances that he would get dressed, dressed, and walk the lobby of his hotel because he felt so good that he could just do that and no one knew it was him. And I remember I would just be so scared, like, what if someone catches him? And Chloe also said, Courtney, Kim, and I never said a word, not even to my mom, because we never wanted to make my mother feel uncomfortable. I remember when this happened and when they were talking about this, I my jaw was on the floor because my— You know, in my mind, they were all just as shocked as the rest of us. Yeah. I thought that they had no idea. Maybe that was so naive of me. You know, I still hold true that Chris didn't know. I
1: still hold true to that. I really think she didn't know. But didn't Chris say that she, like, knew that he uh, would—that she would sometimes dress in— No, Chris didn't know. Nothing? The kids knew. The kids had caught her, had caught Caitlyn. This is from what I remember— the kids had caught Caitlin a couple of times. Kim was, Kim like, late night once. It was, like, only once that that Kim caught her, like, dressing late night. And then they never spoke about it again. And I think she told um, Kim and Chloe, and they never said, uh, Courtney and Chloe, and they never said a word. When Chloe tells that she found out about um Caitlin dressing like when they would go to hotels and she was dressing in the lobby as a woman during her appearances. I think Chloe is telling this story having found out after the fact. Like, uh, she was like, I I, I think I remember her saying this and it was like, I remember thinking, you know, what if somebody had seen then? So I think that it wasn't a ridiculous amount of times that they had caught. I think it was once or twice and in retrospect, it really stood out. But I think they all were really afraid to tell Chris and didn't want to upset her. So they kept it a secret from Chris. And I think that, you know, the last person that Caitlin was gonna get caught by was Chris.
0: Because think about Chris. That's the last person you'd want to get caught no, by too, totally. you know? So and with the and aside from Chris as who she is, it was also her wife. Right. You know, so yeah. So
1: yeah, I really, I mean, I think there was something where Caitlyn had said, like, there's no way Chris didn't know. But I
0: I really think Chris didn't know. And also potentially, like I'm just shooting the dark here, you know, that was one of the causes of Caitlyn's um, breakup with Linda. And potentially she could have seen that now. It's like, yeah. if Chris knows, for sure that'll be the end of our relationship. I don't know. It just, yeah, who kn- who knows? So one month later, June of 2015, was when Caitlin introduced herself to the world on the cover of Vanity Fair. It was written by Buzz Bissinger, and Annie Leibovitz photographed it, which was a like, very iconic honor, kind of. It was their first cover to feature an openly transgender woman, and it was captioned, Call Me Caitlyn. Again, Caitlin is with a C, which was incredibly Hardly intentional, oh, yeah. yeah. The month after that in July was when Caitlyn received the Arthur Ashe Courage Award at the ESPYs. Oh, my God. Do you remember the drama? Do I remember that? Oh, my God. When they went to the ESPYs, I'll never forget. Oh,
1: my God. That was a huge plot line on the show. You know, something the Kardashians must have really struggled with was having to—, to having to show the world that they were supportive and but still angry at the same time it's a really hard line to walk and and they were supportive it was just there was own their own personal things that they were struggling with and i think a lot of people A lot of people did get that, and a lot of people
0: didn't. Oh, for sure. Because I think that people, because the two were happening at the same time, because their anger was happening at the same time that Caitlyn was transitioning, I think of people, specifically people that already didn't like them, were so quick to say, like, oh, well, they're just pissed because she's living her truth, and, like, fuck them for not being able to understand it. Whereas, like, that was not the case. They were pissed about a lot of other things that just so happened to be happening simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. so a month after that, in July, was when Caitlyn's gender transition was the subject of "I Am Kate." It was initially an eight-part TV documentary series, and it pre- premiered on E to an audience of 2.7 million viewers. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a <laughs> That's good, Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> um And Caitlyn obviously was an executive producer of the show, and it was kind of just focused on you know her transition, how it affects her relationships with her family and her friends, and it you know it personally, I know that it didn't do that well. like in, it wasn't like it had so many seasons, but I thought it was fascinating. yeah, it was it was fascinating. I mean, I think th- this was really
1: Caitlyn's transition was like the entire world kind of learning about this at once. And I think Caitlin on the show, something that she really set out to do was to educate and and explain that's like, listen i I did live my, most of my life as a man, and I was athletic, and I was into cars, and I'm into, and I'm still into those things, but I also identify as a woman, and I think that concept at the time was really hard for people to understand, and Caitlin really, really opened up our eyes as people to, like, uh, to, like, how confusing gender can be, and how, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, the show itself
0: wasn't great, which is why it didn't do well, but the content matter was so important. For sure. Also, you know, one of the things she talked about a lot was, like, Finding this new role, being a role model for the transgender community, not just to educate other people, but also within the community, like f- kind of what her role was, which we'll get into a little bit. You know, that was met with a lot of kind of. She wasn't welcomed with open arms to the transgender community because of her political beliefs, because you know she was a conservative right. Republican, and that's not, not not typical. And there was, um, it, it was it was it was not so pleasant for a while there.
1: And the other thing is, that, do you remember this? That she was named Glamour's Woman of the Year, and in an interview, she had said, like, it was, it, and it was definitely joking, and it was definitely, you know, a, a, a joking tone that she answered this. But some, that one of the questions was, "What do you think the hardest part about being a woman is?" And her response was like, figuring out what to wear or deciding what to wear. She was obviously joking, but a lot of people were really upset. And I remember Rose McGowan came out and was like, was like, um it's so tone deaf for you to say that because you have lived most of your life and benefited from the perks of white male, privilege. white male privilege. And now, you know, you are identifying as a woman, which is great and everyone supports you, but you have to understand that like, no, being a woman is the hardest part of it is not figuring out what to wear. It's all of these other things that you are, you haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was a lot of conversation back and forth between between the transgender community
0: and the, and, and women and a lot of people at this time. Oh my god. And like this would be difficult for anybody and then on top of it you have the literally the entire world. Right. Because it's not like you just have the Kardashian fandom which kind of is the entire world, but you all you have, you know, like her entire people that listen. Even people like dads in their 60s that right. don't give a shit about the Kardashians. They still cared about Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, you know this the, was the, I mean this was the biggest deal. It was like the biggest deal. It was. So in December of that year, um, she was named by Barbara Walters the most fascinating person of 2015. Personally, I think she was incredibly deserving of that title because I was fucking fascinated. Yeah. Weren't you? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, And the next year was when she became the first openly transgender person to be featured on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, you know, the cover and the whole story marked the 40th anniversary of her winning the 1976 Summer Olympics. Oh, my God. I don't know. Yeah. Every time—I know I've read over this maybe seven times, like, just doing it. But I can't—I know. it, And it's a lot of information. It is. It's a real roller coaster we just went on. It is. So the next year in um, January 2017 was when she underwent a lot of cosmetic surgery. And she completed her sex reassignment surgery, which— Please correct me if I'm wrong. When she was—when it was the Diane Sawyer interview, I believe Diane asked her, right? And she wasn't—she hadn't undergone it. And she wasn't positive. She wasn't positive she, was, she was going, going to, do, to. Yeah, right? I, yeah, that must be, a you know, an, an interesting decision to make. Like, I wonder it's what big, that, Yeah, it's a big decision to oh, make. Oh, for though. sure. Yeah. Um, so the next year in April of 2017, which was only two years ago, she published her memoir called The Secrets of My Life. And this was kind of when the shit hit the fan, if it didn't already. And it was really not well-received by Chris or the kids. They said that, in their view, the book was filled with lies about Chris and totally painted her in this, like, malicious, mean light that they just did not feel she was deserving of.
1: yeah. So one of the I remember one of the big things that I, and I've, I've spoken about this before because I, I really think this is such a huge point is that Caitlin said you know in the book that Chris controlled all of their finances and that um they there there was money that that Caitlin wasn't given and that, that Chris was controlling it and Chris and Courtney came out and they were like In the beginning of our marriage, that was not the case. There was not a lot of money there. And Chris says, I had to borrow money from Corny at one point because we didn't. And it's interesting because one of the episodes I was watching of Keeping with the Hard the other day um, during the Scott marathon was – Chris was explaining to Courtney um, that in the beginning of her marriage with Caitlyn, that Caitlyn had like all of these speedboats and all of these toys, and and they had to sell them. She was like, she was like, we now had college tuitions to think about. We had two kids on the way. We had all of these things, and sometimes you have to be the adult and make the financial decisions and make the smart ones. And she's like, she's like, and it was so interesting because it was so long before that this book came out, and it's just. Yeah, like I think that Caitlyn was so used to having her own life and having her own thing and then when she had kids with Chris it was like okay, now we're going to make smart financial decisions and I think that Caitlyn just viewed that as Chris controlling her money when in when in regards it was Chris, you know, setting up a future for her
0: whole family. Yeah, and I also think that Chris was different than Caitlyn's other wives. Like she was yeah. much she was I don't want to say much more controlling. I obviously haven't met them, but she was much more of like a she wore she was like the, the boss kind well, of Well the thing is and it's it's, you know,
1: in retrospect interesting to think about because when Chris was saying that after her divorce with Robert, after she had had the affair and, and Robert had kinda of left her with, with nothing at the time until, you know, the alimony payments were set up and whatever. She was like, I didn't she was like, Robert took care of everything when we were married. When we were married, I didn't pay a check. I didn't know how much money. I didn't know how to do anything. And she was like, after I got divorced, I was like, I'm never going to let myself in that position mm-hmm. again. So I think that really came into play when her and Caitlin got married.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, you know, now in terms of their relationship, as we talk about, listen, they're civil. She was invited to the Christmas party. And Caitlin, I mean, and Chris was not—didn't cause a huge scene about that as we saw like last season. There, it's never going to be the same, but I think that they're they've come a long way, at least in the public eyes, from the, like the Vanity Fair days. Yeah, I think that they they knew they had to, and also Chris is no is no stranger
1: to you know having to work past a past relationship for it to be amicable for the kids. I mean, keeping in mind, it's not just like it's not just like Chris had her four kids and and Caitlin had a close relationship with them.
0: They also have kids together. So yeah, no. So now, Caitlin is 69, and romantically, she has most recently been linked with Sophia Hutchins, who is 23. Sophia is also a transgender woman, and in 2016, Sophia, who at the time identified as Scott, revealed through the Pepperdine um, school newspaper—that's where she went—that it was Caitlin who inspired her to transition. So she graduated Pepperdine literally last year, 2018. And they were introduced to each other through a mutual friend. It was, like, their hairstylist makeup artist. And so we hear they've been inseparable ever since, and they lived together in their home in Malibu. Just recently, last week, like, rumors came out, like, uh, Sophia and Caitlin trying for a baby via surrogacy. And they both posted on their stories, like, this is total bullshit. Do not believe it, which we didn't, obviously. Yeah. But, like, duh. Talk about Star Magazine. I mean, Yeah, talk, seriously, National Enquirer, where are you at? Yeah. Um, but that is, you know, our most recent update of Caitlyn and, and her life romantically, professionally. I don't know, anything you want to add? I felt like I was on a roller coaster. No, I mean, it
1: was—I I, love doing this. I think she has such an interesting life and such an interesting story. And I'm happy to, like, t- tell it because I think a lot of people don't know the ins and outs of it. And they know what, you know, they know what they want to know or they know what they've read up until this point. But, yeah, it was
0: really— She's got a crazy life. I, would I mean, do-
1: everything aside, just the whole Olympics thing oh is God. really in and
0: of itself. But the marriages are—I yeah. would do sick shit for a sit-down with Caitlin, Linda, Chrissy, and Chris. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then the kids making a cameo. Honestly,
1: Caitlyn doesn't even need to be there. I would just have the three wives sit down and, and you know, compare stories. And Sophia. And
0: Sophia. Oh, my God. That would be wild. Anyway, guys, I think that that is all for now. So tomorrow we have our regular episode, which we're about to record. I'm so excited. There's so much shit I want to talk about. about about. That Kardashian section is about to be fucking lit. Also... Right after this, last week we recorded an interview with Gunnar Peterson, who, as you know, is the Kardashians' trainer, and he's the trainer on Revenge Body. So in light of you know promoting Revenge Body, we did a brief little interview with him via phone, and he's a really nice guy, so stick around if you're interested for that. And don't forget to subscribe and you know rate, review, and all those things. We really, really appreciate it. Okay, so have you guys heard about this company that's making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles, and they're insanely comfortable and machine washable? So we're talking about Rothys. They have quickly grown to a most loved, gotta have them brand. It's no surprise they have over a thousand nearly perfect reviews. They're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable, really all in one pair of shoes. They are the perfect flats for life on the go. So we tried these, and we tried the ones. Um, Julie and I both ordered the ones that are like, they're called the sneaker. And I ordered them in like a light beige color. Super easy, super simple. They go with literally everything, like a dress, jeans, whatever. And the way that they describe them is that they're everyday flats for life on the go. So they're stylish and versatile and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. They come in a wide range of colors and patterns and they're available in four different silhouettes. Also, they're constantly launching new styles so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three that you love. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks and they sell out constantly. Again, I like the sneaker ones and I got them in beige. They have like these kind of playful designs that had fun pops of color to every outfit and they're still, you know, you still look polished and professional while still kind of having fun. Also, what is crazy is that it will blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. So they have diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills, which is insane. Also, the most amazing thing is that they're fully machine washable. So every time they need a refresh, you just throw them in the washing machine and it's like getting a fresh pair of you know every laundry day. And I did this because I stepped in some mud and like, literally just came out. So check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash celebs. Go to rothys, celebs to get your new favorite flats. Comfortable style and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash celebs today. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. Visit RosettaStone.com/comments. That's fifty percent off and limited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/comments today. Okay, guys, so we have celebrity trainer Gunnar Peterson on the line. Hello. How are you guys? We're good. How are you?
2: I'm always good. It's a frame of mind.
0: <laughs> I love it. So I'm sure anybody who knows anything about the celebrity world is very familiar with Gunnar, and he also is uh, one of the trainers on E's Revenge Body, which is Sundays at 10 p.m. How has that experience been?
2: It's fantastic. Honestly, they have such a... Uh, and you know you're not going to get any, any trash talk out of me, so <laughs> let me start with It's fantastic. I'm working with... Um, they always can be good people, you know, and sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't pan out, but um, that might be more the people that we're, we are assigned than necessarily the format of the show. It's structured very well. It's all health-based. I think the title got a bad name uh, or a bad reputation at the beginning. You know, people said it's not about revenge, and that's really not what it's about. It's about taking control of your life and, and finding a way to make things right with um, your past or whatever whatever you feel got you. Or, or pushed you over the brink. Um, and, you know, it's great producers. It's a great production team. Rogue Atlas, uh, Eli Franco, Larissa, Just it, you're working with pros across the board, and I'm not even going to say the Chloe part because that's a given.
0: Right, of course. of course. Yes, is Chloe as, you know, obviously we've never met her, but from everything we know, she just seems like a truly incredible person. I'm, is that your experience working with her as well?
2: Yeah, I've also known Chloe since she was yeah, 14. So... Uh, she's about as real as rain and she's hands on in all this. And if there are ever any issues, it's she's a text away. So right. it's just, uh, it makes the whole experience positive.
0: Yeah. How did you start? How did you meet the Kardashians? Like how did that all kind of start your relationship with their family?
2: Years ago, uh, Kris Jenner started training with me. We had oh. uh, mutual friends and, and Chris reached out and started training with me. And I knew, uh, you know, then Bruce, now Caitlin and, and Chris and, it was just, um, it was a good fit. Fun, easy people, outgoing, athletic, adventurous. It was just, um, you know, as a rule, you try not to cross over and, and you have to make sure that as trainers, you understand that the people you're working with are not necessarily friends. You're hired for a reason, but sometimes you cross over and it just happens because it's it's smooth. It's a natural transition and you wind up with some, some lifelong relationships. So I have three People who I've trained uh, actually once passed away, but who became godparents to my kids. So wow, you my do crossover sometimes, right? But it's few and far between.
0: Totally no. I mean, you train everyone. I feel like from you know the Kardashians to Kate Beckinsale, Bruce Willis, Hugh Jackman. It's it's kind of unbelievable. How do you think this this happened? Like, what is what? Did, what do you think it is about your training that makes you the best of the best?
2: Well, I mean, I've said this before, and it's some people. Go, oh, it's a tired joke. I have great parking. <laughs> uh, in LA, in LA, that's just a huge plus. And, um, I've been around for a long time. You know, I've been doing this before there were gyms on every corner before everybody was a trainer. So, uh, you sort of get a name and, and you play it straight with everybody. You treat everybody with respect. And I try to provide, um, a very high end service in a high end facility. And there are people who go the other route and it's more down and dirty and it's more aggressive but I think I want my training to match the other aspects of a certain demographics lifestyle. So if you think hotel chains, right? um, You go Best Western, you go Hyatt Hilton, you go Four Seasons, um, Ritz-Carlton's, they're all very successful hotel chains, but they're very different in terms of what they provide, what you can expect and what you as a customer walk in there knowing is going to be your experience, and I try to uh, put it on a on a certain level because because of my zip code because of the people i 've uh, who've targeted me who i've also targeted and it's just i don't know it's worked out i i have been very lucky I try to stay atop everything in the field you know from oh man watching everything that's on social media as much as I can uh, reading articles reading books attending seminars, and um and going outside my, my groove, I went to a tactical training thing in North Carolina this weekend. You just if you can pick up two or three cues, two or three sayings, two or three combinations, uh I, I talked to these Navy SEAL guys and they do a, a workout in a pool where it's a twenty five meter run in the pool and then a casual swim back and you do eight hundred meters total. So
0: wow, uh, wow. You know, I haven't
2: tried I haven't tried it yet, but I thought what an interesting way to combine two disciplines and yet still be joint friendly and they're all things that can apply to to training or to giving people things to do when they're on vacation and, and just staying fresh.
0: Totally, of no, that course. makes complete sense. Would you say that training your celebrity clients um, is any different than training their revenge body clients? Would you say your you know your style is kind of consistent across the board, or do you do things a little bit differently uh, in those two situations?
2: I, th- I think my style's across the board the same, just because of um, physiology biomechanics, the way the body works and, end goals being the same. Um, obviously if someone's looking to, to put on size, if it's hypertrophy and they're looking for bulk, I may not be the right guy because of the way I train. We can also skew the program to, to tailor it individually, which we do for everyone, but, but for that goal. But other than that, it comes down to people want to be lean. People want to be able to see the separation between the muscle groups. People want to be able to move, uh, and perform in life and sports. And so, How you train an athlete is how you train a movie star is how you train a civilian. And as long as they're willing to put the work in, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be fun. That's for sure. And we're (laughs) going to get it done or we're going to get to the end goal. The hardest part about working with the the, the celebrity or the people in the public eye is the scheduling. They are being... You know, you hear people say, well, if I had all day to go to a trainer, I mean, they're doing a movie for three months and then they're not doing anything. That's, that's the, the biggest misconception that I see. They are pulled in 900 directions by 900 different people. It's, it's what they do in a, in a day is, uh, underestimated, um, I think by the public. And once the people make it a priority or the priority in their lives, um, it's, it, there's an easy go, right? It, when this becomes, instead of something that's TBD on the schedule, when it becomes locked in, you know, in ink and, and that's what they're basing everything else off of, you start to pivot around that versus trying to find a way to, to fit that in. But I think that applies to everybody just with, right. with more moving parts. You know, if, if you, if you tell me your, uh, stay at home mom or your, um, uh, stay at home dad, or your, a single parent or you have, you know, you work two jobs and you have these financial constraints, there's still ways to do it. If you, if you're deciding that this is your priority, you will fit it in. No question.
0: Totally. Do you have someone, one of your, one of your celebrity clients that you would say kind of exemplifies the like going hard and is so dedicated, always there, always ready to work? Is there one person that comes to mind the most when you think about that?
2: No, uh, let me think, and in, in, in the meantime, I'll give you some some preamble. I think that because of the way I've been around, and people know what I do and how long I've been here, they kind of get that. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm all business, no nonsense, because we do, you know, there there is levity. We do have some fun while we're doing it, but I think that they know when they're coming to me that we're here really for the work, and the rest will, the rest will. Um, just kind of takes care of itself. So if, if they're coming here, they're here to do the work. They're not coming here to check a box and say, Oh, I I trained with or Oh, I went to this gym. They're coming here to get real results or something that a regimentation that maybe they haven't found uh, before this. So um, I don't know. Chloe, when, you know, when Chloe, Chloe now it's a different situation with, with her little one, but when Chloe was with me, every day it was literally six days a week and it was arrive early and leave 10 minutes late. It's that kind of thing. Um, you know, the people, the people, Ryan Seacrest used to train with me back in the day. The guy would just go at it. You wouldn't know that. I mean, he's just such a go-getter. What you see him do and achieve in in the real world is the same way he is in the gym. Um, I don't know that they all go like that. You know, Sylvester Stallone has been with me for a hundred years. The guy comes in, and it's just no nonsense, start to finish. There's a goal. There's how he how he wants to look, how he needs to perform. Bruce will the same thing. You know, there's a scene where he has to flip a guy over, and he wants to make sure he can get that down low, up and throw. So we're training with a heavy bag as like a body dummy, and it's scoop it, flip it over the shoulders, pivot, and repeat, repeat, repeat. And you're thinking, you know, Bruce, you could get a stuntman to do this for you, you could get a body double to do this for you, but. These guys are not where they are because they've pushed the work off onto somebody else. Right.
0: Totally. Completely, yeah. I have a couple of questions that are kind of random, but just things that we've always been wondering, so I can imagine other people were wondering. <laughs> um, my first is, do you ever have any major run-ins kind of in your facility? I feel like if, you know, everyone's there, they must be coming around the same time. Do you have any of your favorite stories of run-ins or does that happen frequently?
2: No, that's the whole thing. That's, uh, that's my part of the scheduling jigsaw puzzle. Right. And I also ask people, do you have a problem with anybody in town in the industry? Is there anybody I should know about? Anybody that's a bad dating experience, a bad work experience, uh, you just don't like them or you have huge political differences? I just just want to avoid that. I want their gym to be completely, or their gym time to be completely stress-free.
0: Right. No, that makes so much sense. And obviously it shows. I think that that's why people continue to go and are so appreciative of of the way that you operate.
2: Because they know, because it it is truly one of the few safe spaces. We don't have cameras in the gym. I mean, if people want to video their stuff or do whatever, totally fine. But we don't have like, uh, you know, that eye in the sky camera that that a lot of businesses have. I just, I can't, I wouldn't do that to people.
1: Of course, course yeah. not.
2: Yeah, but you say, of course, but a ton of restaurants these days have them. Um, That's true. You know, stores have them. Airports have them. Our place, it's just not like that. They are safe. If you didn't, you know, if you, if you didn't comb your hair this morning and you're just rolling in for a six a.m. workout and it's baseball hat day, and no makeup, whatever, that's never. There's never going to be a picture of that, and that's never going to get out. We're not like that.
0: Yeah, make that makes a huge difference, of course. Oh, completely. Has there ever been a situation where you've just been starstruck? Like you're like, I cannot believe this is happening, or has that is that not no longer a thing?
2: Um. Well. I think two things. I don't Google people. I don't look them up, so I probably don't know as much about people as I should when they walk in. Mm-hmm. Because I like to, I like to have the the my experience be as as uh, neutral as it can be. That's one thing. Um, I I will say. I think there, you should, we should run a test on this. There should be a study. I would imagine something has to happen to your pupils when you see somebody in person that you know, before that, you would only seen on a, a 20 by 40 foot screen because there must be something in terms of, wow, they look, you know, fill in the blank, shorter, taller, thinner, fatter, older, younger, whatever it is, because you're, there is a comparison to what you thought you knew of them. Um, I wouldn't say it's starstruck. Like you certainly don't, you know, fangirl out and, ah, and talk differently and freak and get a weird high pitch voice, but you definitely, um, you know, there's a, Oh yeah. Okay. There's identification, right? You see that I've seen it before. It is like this, but again, I don't have people who come in. I don't, I don't get the jerks. I don't get that. I'm sure they're out there, but I just don't get that. I get people who come in, they're coming in for a purpose. They're coming in for a reason. They're serious about their jobs. They know I take my job serious. They know we're going to get the work done. They know we're going to have fun. And, um, and, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going out on a limb saying there's mutual respect, but I, I think there's mutual respect. And I think there has been since day one.
0: No, totally. I think that's definitely fair to say. There has to be. It wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't be in this position if there wasn't. Um, my last question for you, which is really just <laughs> everybody wants to know, and I, of course there's so much that goes into it, but if you had to sum up the secret to getting, you know, the Kardashian, the J-Lo type booty, is there one move or, or one, one thing you could give people listening? <laughs>
2: yeah, I would say train heavier than you're training. Right. I I don't think most people I don't think in my experience, the women that I've worked with or I've seen work are not are are more cautious around heavy weights for fear of getting big at air quotes. But, you know, getting big is a is a lifestyle. I can show you guys who've been working out 30 years trying to get a little bigger and they just don't because while their training may be on point, their nutrition's off, their recovery's off, their hydration's off, they're not managing their stress. And, and, you know, so cortisol levels are high, which makes it very hard to gain any size. And they're just, don't be afraid to lift heavy weights, especially the women. If you want that, if you want to be uh, fuller, bigger, uh, more pronounced, you have to go heavy. You have to eat calories in excess of what you're burning. So your body has something to work with to grow. You have to sleep and recover adequately. And you have to manage your stress levels. And I know that sounds like, well, that's a laundry list. I was looking for one thing. But <laughs> if, you know, if there was just one thing, everybody would have it.
1: Completely. Right.
0: No, right. O- of course. Thank you. I mean, listen, we, I know we never actually met, but I kind of feel like I know you through the account. Thank you for being such a loyal follower yeah, and liker.
2: Your account <laughs> cracks me up, but some of the people I don't know, and I, but I see the, the, uh, comments and I laugh and I'll ask, um, uh, the girl who works with me and runs the gym is she's on top of all that stuff and she'll say no that's that person from that and I go oh, I <laughs> so get funny, funny. <laughs>
1: yeah oh my god thank, thank you
2: <laughs> thank you guys very much it's a fun account to follow and the same uh, with your athletes ones they're all fun they're just fun to see all those people cross pollinate like that
0: oh thank you I thank really you appreciate so much. that this was great I, I really appreciate you taking the time and remember you can catch Gunner on Ease Revenge Body Sundays at 10pm thank you
2: thank you guys
0: So, I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically, when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes, there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.